Good evening, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the Pinktron. It may not be evening when you're listening, but it's evening here. It's dark outside, and I'm surrounded by my friends. Um, Chris Greenland, what are you drinking? Oh, um, I am drinking uh, the closest beer to water that I could find because I just got off Radio Tower. So Miller Lite, I've got two Miller Lights here ready to go. Um, sadly, Tatum's not with us because um, he could definitely talk to you about beer that tastes like water. Um, <laughs> Keish, how about you? Uh, well, because I knew that uh, Chris was uh, with us today, I thought I'd to take uh, another Barolo because uh, last time I had one, he was uh, really uh, interested in this uh, Barolo. So for, for Chris, I've got a uh, 2015 Barolo uh, that I opened just for us. Perfect. Pass Very me a nice. glass. Um, Councillor Brent Robinson. Alas, I have the boring Western Canadian afternoon orange sparkling water. <laughs> um, recent listeners will be sad to find out I've run out of um, nice wine. Um, so we're back to Aldi's £4.50 best. Buenas Vides Malbec. Did you try anything new and interesting out of that box, that sampler pack? Um, there's a couple of bottles whose names I can't remember that I actually did really enjoy. Um, there are a couple of average ones. Um, but yeah, no, th- th- there were a couple of nice ones in there that I will definitely buy again. But I've kept the bottles downstairs, but I can't remember what they're actually called. So um, At least you saved the bottle. That's better than I do. I'm like, oh, that was a great wine. I should remember, remember to get that again. And the smart <laughs> person would save the bottle or snap a photo of the label, neither of which I do. So I, I, I sent a picture of the bottles to my dad, and he instantly recognized where it came from, which probably isn't necessarily a good sign. <laughs> it, and um, yeah, it's it like, oh, you must have got those from Lifeweights. It's like, yes, I did. Um, you've ordered from there many, many, many times, haven't you? Um, but yeah, no, a couple of nice bottles. Um, let's talk herd winter racing, because uh, Chris Grinnard, I know you love hills, especially when it's a hill followed by a steeper hill comment james are you gonna have to comment because i just asked you how your race went oh shit that's right it's a podcast um (laughs) it honestly it went fine i just kind of settled into my groove i had one other i think it was a wkg rider with me for a little bit of company and we just kind of pegged it at 3.5 the whole way up that's not like you i i haven't checked my average yet um could it be 3.3 live on the air breaking news um but yeah it was good we just settled into a groove i let brent you were like two minutes up the road you guys were just going nuts and there was no way i was going four plus the whole way up there so how was the view from the front well yeah not quite on the front i ended up finishing in 17th but um it was uh i mean i don't know it's uh it's Epic and then it's Radio Tower. So I, I tried to go for my like 20 minute power on Epic, but um, once I hit the rollers, there was like kind of three or four of us together. My racing instincts kicked in and I kind of mm-hmm. acted it and sat on some wheels and on the up and down bits and then tried to stomp it on Radio Tower. But I don't know. I don't know who M. Telford in a herd jersey is, but Mark, Mark. Mark Telford. Uh, credit to you on that radio tower you absolutely oh i put a little dig in and you just clawed me right back and passed me so well done 
Um, I hate that radio tower. Epic I can handle, but that radio tower just it's it's so, it's so hard because epic let, 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 let's say like mid to upper b lower a it, it's basically you will do you want to try and do your your 20 20 minute power like your best 20 minutes up that hill and then as soon as you get to the top you've then got 10 minutes of what is quite frankly utter hell just waiting for you around the corner um so what do you do? do? Do do you go for your best twenty minutes and then just hope you you can still turn your legs at the end, or do you hold something back for the fact you know you've got the radio tower coming straight after? Yeah, and there is a little bit of raciness in the top end of that radio of the epic, right? Like there's those mm-hmm. rollers, and there's a there's a pretty long drag in, but you know there is some racing tactics to be had there in terms of if you can sit on some wheels, hold some wheels, and then grind it back at the end. So. Um, yeah but to be fair but like before you get to the rollers you, you've still got like a, a hill that's probably oh, yeah. averaging around about six seven percent most of the way up especially with the like probably average nine percent like switchbacks at the very very start yeah for sure I, I i really like epiccom um i do not like radio tower that much um i mean it, it's kind of like bologna but without the bologna-iness <laughs> Bologna of the first half was also uphill. <laughs> well, um, I think pick with Bologna because I know it so well. I know exactly when it's going to get steep and exactly when it's going to let off. Whereas um, Radio Tower, it's just that there isn't letting off and there isn't less steep or more steep. It's just steep, steep. It's all steep and it's all terrible. And yeah, looking at my numbers, because there was an extended climb, I managed to, to carve out a 3.3. Wow. Late, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first on the Pink Tron. Chris <laughs> Greenland averages 3.3 watts per kilo in a world exclusive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Brandon, I only finished one place behind you. So you you put in a lot of effort for just one more point. So that's a win. <laughs> in my... It's only a 3.6. <laughs> I was with uh, like the 12th riders right to the bottom to the top of epic to the bottom of the radio tower and those that group kind of pulled away from me on radio tower and telford and i were wheel to wheel probably three quarters of the way up uh radio tower. we had a group we had a group of um who was in that i dot an elston carrie lash yeah. mark powell and an art rider were behind us and the gap always stayed about 10 to 12 seconds and every now and then somebody would go off the front kind of like attack the group slash try to make the bridge up to the, me and the, and the WKG rider and nobody could do it uh, before we got into the rolly bit. So they were just burning their matches behind us going nowhere. So yeah. we, we managed to stay away. I, I always see the Epic AOM as something you do FTP plus a little bit on the uphills, recover as much as you can do on the rollers and then hammer the last bit. But then you've got, the, then you've got radio tower. So probably not going to do this one this weekend but i might do mountain goats and we'll come on to that very shortly um unless brent and chris have you got anything to add about um the delightful course i selected to beat the this evening credit to whoever beat the movie star guy (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i would say just remember to turn on your fan before you begin riding which i did not do how 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 so like 
even like the concept of starting a Zwift ride without a fan, I find incomprehensible. I was on a, a work phone call during my warm up, <laughs> okay. so I didn't have my fan on for that. And it's cool enough here relatively that I didn't notice when I started riding. Um, but I, that last little bit that you can super tuck down before that final pitch up to the KOM banner, I managed to hop off and flip my fan on. So I had the fan <laughs> on for the video tower. Thank God. Well done. Um, so it's uh, Pierre Almeida who um, beats the uh, Movistar rider who's Daniel Gold um, and averaged uh, 4.8 watts per kilo over the best 20 minutes of 5.3. Numbers numbers we can only dream of, gentlemen. Bazonkers. <laughs> Um, so in, in terms of what else we have to look forward to, um, so we've got a mountain route um, for um, Herdwinter Racing League over Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and then Mountain Goats on Sunday and Monday. It is a single lap of Climber's Gambit. So that is um, Titans, Grove, Titans Grove Reverse, a small amount of flat, and then you do the Epic Reverse as well. So that's the harder side of what our um, races did today. Um, also, it was used in the um, ZRL um, a, about two or three weeks back and was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> Brad, help me out here because I've no idea where this one's going to end. Um, Lucha? It is, it's a, it's um, 16.1 kilometers of Lucha for Stampede. I think it's like in it's the, got, it's like got, early it's in the up. city. But you don't go in the city. So Lucha, you start from the main pens, you go straight up um, Innsbruck forwards, down Innsbruck forwards, and then up Innsbruck forwards again. I think yeah. it's still on the descent. I don't think you started the second climb. No, no, you definitely don't start the second climb. I think it's like right at the overpass. Okay. So, yeah. So it's hopefully the, um, well, hopefully for anyone that's riding it, it's, it's um, right at the bottom of descent. And if you're heavy, that's really good news. Um, if you're light, the first half of the race is really good news. If you're somewhere in between, there is no good news. Yeah, and if you're listening to this in your race, this is a debate we were having in our chat. Let us know if you pedal down the backside or if you super tuck down the backside and how fast you go, because we were debating whether it's faster to pedal or super tuck. I think the sort of general consent, well, there was no general consensus, but you can't tell if you're, if you're super tucking on a TT bike. Yeah. The one Zwift Insider article we saw had comments saying you can't do that. James has some information that says you can shadow super tuck essentially on a TT bike. So um, my, my, yeah. my information comes from Kev Fowler, who was our um, conversationalist um, last week. Um, luckily, I haven't had too much wine, so I can't pronounce that. Um, but Kev was telling me, I can't even remember what route it was. Um, it might have been Innsbruck UCI, and he might have done it twice in one day. Um, but he was saying when he was pedaling down the hill at like 300 or so watts, versus not pedaling at all his top speed was about four or five kilometers an hour faster when he didn't pedal so that to me implies that you do actually super tuck on a tt bike you just don't see it is it a, a super tuck or is it just a function of the aero position and does zwift take into account the the fluid slash wind dynamics that so, pedaling would create so on both of those occasions, he is on a TT bike. Yeah. So 
holding 300 watts, he's slower than holding zero watts. Right. So whether you call it a super tuck or not, the question is whether the game like gives you some arrow yeah. compensation for not pedaling yeah. on the downhill. Yeah. So it's, it's, I would say it clearly does, right? Yeah. It I mean, sort of feels that way when you're chasing someone. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think based on what Kev told me, I I, I think you go faster <laughs> downhill without pedaling on, on a TT bike. Um you ever been through their case? You ever tried nice. that? Um I have the ability to find out that information. Um, and I might have a look with my new toys. Um, Keish, um, have, you, have you tried going downhill on a CT bike, pedaling and not pedaling? No, no, uh, I didn't even think about super tucking on a team trial uh, bike. Uh, on a trial, a, a time trial bike uh, before, <laughs> because I just didn't think it would be make any difference. Uh, I, I'm, I guess I'm one of the pedaling uh, kinds, but not 300 watt, unfortunately. But I uh, no, I never did it. I never tried it. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I was absolutely in your camp before because I, I, I thought, okay, you can't see stuck on the TT bike, so you're going to have to pedal down the hill. And, and yeah. until a couple of people came to me and went, well, oh, I was quicker when I didn't pedal. Um, but yeah, I might, I might get my um, pretend Swift, um, Swift racer to go to the top of Radio Tower and then turn off Watts and see what top speed is with Watts and without Watts. It'd be interesting. Then, then I might send a little message to um, Eric Slangy. <laughs> I go, oh yeah, by the way, your article says this. Oh, it's entirely wrong. Sorry. <laughs> to be fair to Eric, I think it was a comment in the article. But... Fair enough. <laughs> I will let him off. He's a nice guy. Um, finally, um, oh, I should say, actually, it's the, the first race of the new series of um, Stampede for Lutcher, um, as it also is for the... Um, first event of Bullseye, which will be 12 laps of Downtown Dolphin on Wednesday and Thursday. What I should also say is that Mountain Goats, Stampede and Bullseye are all using the new category enforcement um, system. Really, really quickly, and do not ask me to explain this because I probably can't. Um, the category enforcement system looks at your power curve over over a 15 to 50 minute period and determines your FTP based on that. It also looks at your VO2 max or five to eight minute power. And if you are over a certain threshold, it'll bump you into the next category. Um, the category limits remain the same, 2.5, 3.2 and 4.0. Um, whereas if as an example, if you are a category B guy that does five minute, or let's call it five to eight minute power of 5.5, expect to be promoted um, and expect to see more category enforcement races turning up. Um, this week was the first week of the um, community organizer trial. Um, there were events from Hurt, Rhino Racing, Swedish Swifters, and one I can't remember, but there, there's um, the the Kiss races next week. Um, uh, Racing without borders, free R, 
and Team Italy are also joining the party. So, so and also, also the, uh, the Zwift chase races um, are all using category enforcement. So expect to see a lot more of these um, and hooray to Ferro Racing. Gents, any comments on cat enforcement races? Good. I think it's good. I think it's really, I mean, we're in the Bs. We can't complain too much. I think when you get the odd A sandbagger, but I think it's really good for those who are racing in Cs and Ds to encourage them to come out and not get dusted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I can only agree to that. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really good that, uh, that, that uh, there is something like uh, uh, that you have to, to enter your, your own uh, category. Uh, it really uh, changes uh, it to a more level playing field. Um, Brent, um, you, you were saying that you don't tend to notice as much in B. Um, the two stampedes I did, no, not stampedes, um, mountain goats races that I did in category A, I was getting overtaken by sea riders. Um, which I, I, I found somewhat perplexing. Um, while, whilst holding 4.4 watts per kilo, being overtaken by um, sea riders who ca whose category limits um, and before 3.2, and I, I just couldn't comprehend such a thing occurring. Well, that, I mean, that's what I mean. You're in, those are guys are registered in sea races. Like, like usually, no one. It, it's hard to quite sandbag B because it's kind of fast anyway, especially at the mm. end. Like you gotta. You got to pretty much hold on and you can't really sandbag it. Like the B guys are fast enough. They'll push you into A if you're going to win. So yeah. And, and C I, and D you can sit in and then sprint and kill guys at the end. I think um, some of the in inverted commas B riders who are actually A's, but like to stay in B. Once they hit a hill, let's, let's call it a peticom. Um, they're probably going to exceed the five minute power threshold. Um, and accidentally upgrade themselves, even if they do average four or less for the entire ride. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I, I think it's going to certainly start to make a difference towards ferro racing and Zwift. Um, there are other things to come, but I, I think this is a, a good starting point. They've been doing the last couple of the, the TFC Mad Mondays too, and they have the high-end, low-end split for the categories as well and that makes it a nice a nice uh fair field as well when you can even see the front of the race i'm used to not seeing the front of the race in bees <laughs> yeah i mean do, do you think that you're not seeing the, so like I, I i've ridden with you i know you are more than capable of holding the front of the pack for certain of the first five minutes or so more so than yeah. i am um do you think that the fact that other organizers have gone for high and low end and, and it's quite a popular concept now. So do you think that other organizers have gone for high end, low end on private racing series just because there are too many people entering incorrect categories or do you think that the category range for B is too wide? I think the range is too wide. Okay. It's yeah. So the range is, it, it's too wide such that high-end Bs I can stick with until the road goes up, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's just, it's, ex, it's, it's magnified. That difference is magnified because they're lighter and have a, 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 a better watts per kilo. So they just, they evaporate in front of me. They're gone. 
Okay, so let's look at it a different way. Um, is it because there are hills in that race, whereas you are an excellent racer on a flat course? Um, is it not fair to assume that different races are better at different things? And Correct. is that the fault of the category, or is that the <clears> fault of other people entering that category who shouldn't be in there? So as an example, um, you're in a B race on TikTok, and you've got A's and A pluses who are stretching out the field because they shouldn't be in there in the first place. And do we have to accept that we all have races that we are better at than other races? So um, I'll always beat you going up the Alp. Um, that, that, that's a fair point to make. But on a TikTok race, you will probably beat me, even if you do 3.3 average to my 3.839. You're probably still... three two, James. Yeah, okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, and and that's part of it, right? We're all different riders. Our bodies are different. We have different specialties, and that's something that I've accepted. But yeah, the high end, low end, just makes it a little bit more fun for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. A low end B race on. I I wouldn't even say TikTok. I would say. Like Richmond, Richmond is really well suited to me. Um, I would probably, I would want to enter like the high end B for that. Like, I think that would be a much more fair challenge on, on a punchier route. So, yeah. I, I think it's like a good opportunity to give a quick shout out to Flamme Rouge Racing, uh, sorry, Flamme Rouge Racing, um, TFC and um, SZR as well, um, Swedish yeah, let's just go with the SZR. Um, <laughs> thank you um, for all putting on interesting takes on categories. Um, so TFC and SZR both do high and low. Um, Richard from um, Flam Rouge Racing um, does a slightly different take on um, categories. Um, and they're all very popular, very well attended events. Um, and so if you see them around, um, Firstly, say thank you, um, because they put a lot of effort into um, putting these events on. And secondly, if you feel like giving it a go, have a crack. They'll be good fun. I think the magic in the categorization, this change, is not so much in like narrowing bands, because ultimately, if you just like if you move the B threshold, you know, what call it B minus, whatever you want to call it, from 4.0 to 3.5, you just change the who becomes the top end of that group the people who can cruise around at 3.5 and then sprint for two minutes at the end like that's that's all you change by making that change the real magic here is adding that five to eight minute hmm. second part of the math so that like evens out that like i mean the real golden ticket of all this categorization right is a results-based um categorization which is like super impossible to do in zwift because of how the racing structure is like there's not like a universal sort of racing thing that can weight all the races and, and do all that to make it all work but um i mean i think that's the real trick here is that you're you now have these two different thresholds and it's way harder as a racer to like you're not always just going to be the guy who 4.0 is easy and then i sprint and i win or i can do 3.9 for 20 minutes up to the top and i'm always at the front of the race like that's that changes the math on how you can win races now, right? You can shake guys or not shake guys and you'll be out of threshold of the category. So I think that's the real sort of thing that'll really shake it up, change, change who sits at each category. 
right? Those guys who could sit on 3.9 and then do, what is it? 5.5 for five minutes. Those well, guys will not yeah. be, those guys won't be Bs anymore. They'll be A's. No, exactly. And um, <clears throat> um, I, I, I genuinely hope that it has impact on cruisers. Um, are, are the uh, five to eight uh, minute metrics right? Genuinely don't know. Um, I mean, like, I'm like a <laughs> A minus or a B plus, whatever you want to call it. Um, my best five minute power, and I was pretty much bleeding through my eyeballs, is 5.0. Um, I ca cannot even comprehend the, the idea of doing 5.4, five, 5.5 five, five for five minutes. Um, because <laughs> those five minutes of five zero were absolutely disgusting. Do we have a limit right? Don't know. We'll work on it and we'll get it right. And that's that's what progression is. Agreed. I'll be cheering for the alert. I'm sure you made some good points there. I wasn't listening. I was trying to read your shirt. What does your shirt say? Something about Hollister. I don't know. Uh, I got, yeah, I thought I saw California surfing yeah. Hollister. Yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah. something about California for someone who lives in Canada. <laughs> We have Hollister here too, James. We probably don't actually have that in the UK. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they have it in San Diego, though. Oh, yeah. It's also probably like 15 years old when I was a younger man, Chris, when that was still socially appropriate for someone my age to shop <laughs> Surprise, surprise with t-shirts, sure. not slightly more faded. Um, <laughs> moving away from the herd races, I just want to quickly touch on the Iceni Women's Series. So this started um, this Wednesday um, with a um, inter oh, sorry, going to say an international time trial, individual time trial with a single lap of Tempest Fugit. Um, and this Wednesday, across four different time zones, do not ask me for the times. Um, it is the second event, which is a single lap of uh, Neokyo All Nighter. Um, I did say, don't ask me for the times. I do actually have them. Um, so there are four different time zones. Um, in terms of GMT um, or UTC, um, times are 9 a.m., 7 p.m., 11 p.m., and then for some unknown reason, we've decided not to go for a UTC time and tell you the fourth race is 6 p.m. PST. And this is every every Wednesday in March. So five, five, um, five Wednesdays of racing for um, all women who would like to get involved. So um, if you haven't heard of Iceni, um, you like the idea of doing a women's only racing series, please get involved. It doesn't matter if you're starting late. It'll be loads of fun. And really, really competitive. <laughs> yeah, I think we had a bunch of herd racers who did quite good the first week. I, sorry, I don't know their names. I believe so. The results post and cheers and good job. But any, any, all these unique events, that especially ones that, you know, whatever they're targeting female riders or lower riders or riders who have different abilities. That's what it's all about in terms of like making everyone who's doing Zwift feel like they can kind of have their day in the sun. Yeah, absolutely. And they're all like, I don't want to call women's racing a niche, um, but there are like niche style events like um, fastest three segment only, first cross of the line only, like bullseye, um, and, and various things like that. Um, <sighs> women's racing is definitely underserved on Swifts. Um, and I think partly because there aren't the volume of uh, female racers that we'd like there to be. Um, but all, all I can do as a race organizer is to keep on 
putting out these events and in um in partnership with um Carla Williams from um AEO um for this for this, for this series um and Carla puts on like loads of women's events I put on a couple we'll, we'll keep on putting the events out and just hope the women turn up um and hope they enjoy it and want to keep on coming back again and again and again and that's all we can do and hope it helps next topic is one that i want to go through really 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 quickly um so we've seen uh luciano great uh sorry. luciano gates or free luciano um there was an issue where riders could reduce their weight um, after the start of a race and then put it back, and they thought no one could see it. Um, very, very quickly, if anyone in herd racing deliberately cheats and they are found out to have done so, they will no longer be welcome in this group. So I know that 99.99999% of um, those in the, the herd racing group have exceptional integrity but if you are thinking of doing something foolish please don't because the the one person that did was a valued member of the team and had a moment of stupidity and as such he very quickly left the racing team and I, 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 I don't know if he'll race on Zwift again. Um, and, and that's really, really sad. Um, so if you're even thinking about doing something silly like that, please don't. Um, it's not worth it. It's not worth the repercussions that happen afterwards. So please be honest. Um, enjoy the racing series we put on. Enjoy the racing series other people put on. Um, and, and just have fun without fitting the need that you need to take any further action to enhance your enjoyment and i think i said more than i intended to in the first place um but um that, that's all i'll say on this round the horn topic is actually from lauren um and she was thinking that the the latron team were going to be doing pink tron but they, they have a really really special guest lined up so i hope you'll all really really enjoy listening to that conversation or conversation. Um, we're going to talk about shoes, which is really exciting. Um, I've recently bought a new pair of shoes. Um, I would show other people on this um, podcast, but given you can only hear my voice, um, that's relatively pointless. Um, and by the way, Brent's eating his finger now. Um, <laughs> um, guys, uh, let's talk about shoes. Um, do you have any favourites? Well, I, um, I, 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 I think I have uh, actually. Uh, I have a pair of CDs uh, that I bought in two thousand seven, and I am still using them. Um, I had uh, another pair of uh, very good shoes uh, in between uh, the time. Uh, those were uh, bond shoes. Uh, they were about twice as much uh, 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 in uh, euros. They were really, really, really good. Uh, but after um, uh, a, a time, 
uh, I found my feet um, get irritated in them. So uh, I, I just had to go uh, back to another shoe. And the only shoes I got uh, were my old shoes, which I still have. And I, I still have them. So I'm uh, riding those shoes, um, well, uh, for almost 15 years now. Mm, nice. Fun story. Are they like, what are they like, lace up or boa or the snappy, crisp yeah. closer? Those, those uh, uh, two uh, of those, uh, uh, yeah, Clitterbond, uh, <laughs> that's Dutch. <laughs> and then uh, one uh, tickling uh, thing. I, don't, I just don't know the English <laughs> word for it. But I don't do, know the English do, word do, for it. <laughs> do, do, do you turn the wheel to tighten them up? No, 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 no. Okay. I, I, yeah. They're like no, a ski boot. The, 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 the boas were, uh, were only uh, the, 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 the most expensive shoes of CD at uh, that time. Hmm. Uh, so they weren't uh, as uh, used as much as now, but so, but, uh, but they they are still okay. But they are worn, and hmm. um, uh, I, I really need new shoes. But I can't deny uh, the quality of CDs. So um, I I I've um, my my new um, cycling shoes arrived yesterday, um, and I was having a really so I really wanted like a pair of blue shoes to go with my new bike, um, and. I found a pair of um, Bontrages on um, Sigma Sports, um, and I really, really like them. They just look great. Um, they're, they're 99 pounds, not available in my size. Turns out, pretty much every single nice-looking pair of blue cycling shoes, I, I should say blue mountain bike shoes, not in my size. Um, and, and then I, I, I came across a... Um, Uh, a, a very bright yellow pair of um, CDs, and I thought they're beautiful, so I bought them instead. Um, and they were quite reasonably priced, so happy with that. But on the actual topic of shoes that are comfortable for you, so I have a pair of um, Specialized Torch 2.0 shoes that I use on my trainer. Um, Lauren wanted us to have this conversation because her toes often go numb. Mine do to an extent with those shoes. Um, and I have very wide feet, so I often have to buy half a size too large, which generally means there's space around my toes. And I think that's the reason why mine go numb. I'm, I tried those exact same shoes, James, and I have just really wide feet as well. My toe box is just, it's, it's giant. So I wore those for maybe a half an hour and had to, had to get those. I returned those immediately. They did not, they did not work for my feet. Numbness or? Yeah, just overall squeezy. Hmm. Okay. They were too squeezy. And uh, if, yeah, if I rode them for any longer, yeah, toes would be numb. Uh, it was just not a good, not a good fit. I was riding my original Shimano shoes that I bought back in the early aughts until maybe summer of 2020 when the, mm. the, the soul separated and went, it was unable to be repaired. Mm. Not all the shoe goo in the world wouldn't glue it back in. So full COVID shutdowns, nothing was in stock. Stores were closed, but I did find um, a pair of physic something that may, it's in a wide size mm -hmm. 
and those are great. I'll find the exact model and put it in the comments, mm. but those are great. Um, and Shimano makes a gravel shoe in white as well. The RX-8 that I picked up and that one does okay as well. Nice. Um, my specialized torch, um, I, I, I feel like I've undersold it. It's actually a really good shoe. Um, and, and they're really, really pretty as well, um, especially if you get the yellow one or the red one. And I believe Stephen Pritchard managed to get a red one, which I couldn't get one, <coughs> excuse me, uh, when, when I was um, actually trying to buy them. But um, I, I love my yellow Specialized Torch 2.0. Um, and I, I don't know why, the, why, why we feel we have to say what version number of the Specialized Torch they are, but we do anyway. Um, <laughs> What's... What's the uh, yeah. and by the way, if you're a shoe company and you're looking to sponsor a podcast, the picture is available. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. Um, um, my, my two zeros, I don't get numb toes all the time. Um, it's normally on longer rides and not always on longer rides. I've done 100 miles of them, absolutely fine on Swift. Whereas I've done 75 minute ride and my toes start to go numb. Um, I expect I need to move my feet around in the shoes slightly more. Again, going back to the fact that because I have wide feet, I have to buy slightly larger shoes. What's the, what is the like function difference on a gravel shoe to a road shoe? Is it more like a mountain bike shoe? So yeah, it's a mountain bike and it's a okay. two bolt cleat. So yeah, okay. it's like SPD yeah. instead of the SLs. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I for what it's worth, I have um, my tri shoes. So I like my first pair of I, I wore just my tri shoes as my road biking shoes for probably like five or six years. I had a pair of Garneaux and then I tore the hell out of them. I tore the uh, people who are triathletes who might listen to this, but there's a little loop on the back that you'd use to like pull it on when it was like strapped to your pedals. So we could, well, all right, who wants to hear a funny bike shoe story, a triathlete to, to story? Be fair, so, to, to be fair, Brett, this is sounding a bit like your bib short story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little different. Anyway, um, so those anyone who's ever watched a triathlon will know that, like, especially like in competitive ones, you you clip the bike shoes on the pedals, and then you kind of you actually use like an elastic band, and you you elastic band them to the frame so that they don't flop and catch it and fall off and all that kind of stuff and then you run out of transition you jump on your bike and you start pedaling and you just break the elastic bands and they just lay on the road then you pedal away and then you put them on while you're moving that's the thing so i i was learning how to do this to get more competitive at triathlon so i was at this race in vulcan alberta and i um i got it all clipped up i was all set i got ready to go had an okay swim go run out of transition jump on my bike not too bad start pedaling away i can't get my damn foot in my shoe what is wrong with my damn shoe there's something drastically wrong with my shoes i'd put the right shoe on the left pedal and the left shoe on the right pedal so <laughs> for all of my effort to save like you know whatever you save by just putting them on on the ground and then jumping on the bike 10 seconds maybe i had to stop unclip my shoes put them on my feet Get back. And of course, like people are like riding past me. This isn't like the most competitive triathlon. Vulcan's a town of like 3,000 people. The whole race had 250 people in it, probably. Are like, how did you have to stop 15 seconds at a transition on the side of the road to put your shoes on? What the hell is wrong with you? So, lesson learned if you're a triathlete and you're trying that trick, double check you put the right shoe on the right pedal, the left shoe on the left pedal. Anyway, I, I tore the little tag that you used to tie that elastic band off those 
Gar knows I got a pair of Mavics, which have been working fine for me. That's what I use for most of my riding. But then a few years ago, I was in the LBS. And this is, if you're a North American and you're buying bike shoes, I'll tell you this too, learn your European shoe size because <laughs> North American shoe size, trying to buy bike shoes, forget it. It's a hopeless case. Learn what your European bike shoe size is, especially in an online bike shoe store world. Like I, I, go to your LBS, support your LBS. LBSs are great. They'll be able to help you out and try on some stuff, all that. But like the reality is you're going to have a lot more selection and weirdness if you probably buy online stuff but everything in bike shoe will be european shoe sizes and to the extent that sites provide a north american shoe size it is unlikely to be particularly accurate or or sort of fair so learn that european shoe size and use that as your guide for shopping for shoes i i I had to look up um european shoe size as well because um most places don't do uk sizes either um (laughs) however I, I strongly suspect um, interested listeners want to know when Brent, when when you had the difficulty with your um, your shoes, what sort of Hawaiian cycling shorts were you wearing at the time? Oh my question! <laughs> I think by that point I was like getting like medium serious. I think I had like a legit triathlon suit outfit on. I think I had um, my TRS triathlon suit on at that point i like thought i was like a real triathlete i was like gonna qualify and stuff so so, so basically, let me tell you how dumb you feel when you're like you know fourth guy out of the pool and the next 20 people ride past you on the side of the road sitting in the ditch putting your shoes on so um brent the pro triathlete with all his pro kits um and his shoes on the wrong side of the bike oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like it's a beginner triathlon too. So, like most people are like, "What is this dummy doing strapping his shoes up?" Like, there's like people there riding cruiser bikes and mountain bikes. They don't care about all the rest. I'm there for like a practice race to like, oh, I'm gonna practice doing the stupid jump on the bike thing. Look how fast I'm gonna go. Mm. Stop, pull over. <laughs> God. Anyway. Well, you were in triathlon. Uh, I figured out which shoe model it is that I'm riding on. It's the Physic Tempo Over Curve wide which has been a great shoe for me but james can you uh remind us again about your story with your red shoes from the ride last year <laughs> I keep highlighting um, the you just got so, uh, ladies, ladies and gentlemen um do not buy shoes on amazon that sound like a good deal that come from china they will probably hurt your feet and you will probably not have your big toenail for the next probably nine months actually to be, to be fair, like um, this was August. We're now we're now in March. My my toenail has actually just finally grown back. Let's not blame the shoe, James. Let's blame the process of throwing it on your feet. Okay, let, let, let's be let's, let's be fair. That was entirely the fault of the shoe. The fact that like um, most most shoes will give you some support over your bridge, whereas all this did was support the foot, front half of my foot. And like they, they they claim to be boa, but they only tighten around the front half of your foot. Nothing over a bridge at all. Nothing higher. Um, and it's a wonder that I didn't have an entirely broken foot for more than two or three days. It's not the shoe's fault that you tried something new on game day, James. <laughs> um, my my, uh, my my <laughs> wife keeps on like trying to get me to um 
like stick it on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> I keep on saying, I don't want anyone to have to go through the same thing that I went through. <laughs> I can't believe you still have them. I think oh, yeah, no. Um, but they went through the washing machine and got chucked in the corner of the room. Ceremonial burning. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. <laughs> for better value than 50 quid I paid for them. I don't know if any of that was helpful, Learn, but uh, there's some shoe stories. <laughs> yeah. Basically, get, get, so I think to recap, get shoes that fit, get shoes that tighten over all parts of your feet, and make sure they're clean and on the right pedal. <laughs> I, I think actually all, all, all of those four things are really, really crucial pieces of advice. And if you find the right pair, they'll last 15 years like Case. <laughs> you can always go back to your old pair. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. And I, I think with the uh, the end of the, um, the shoe discussion, which obviously we're all professionals at and we know exactly what we're talking about occasionally. Um, oh, I got I got one question about shoes. Go. So have, have you guys all seen these like things that show up in your ads about like, indoor cycling shoes is a specific product is this a thing that anyone else has seen or is that just me no it's just you yeah it's just you and chris oh maybe it's a north american thing but like i see these indoor cycling shoes and i'm like a i mean i still like to cycle outside when the weather's good so i think for me it's like i want the same shoe i ride indoors as outdoors that's sort of the whole indoor cycle training thing i use the same bike i'm gonna ride outside i'm gonna use the same setup i'm gonna use the same pedals i'm gonna use the same shoes so when i go to ride outside it feels like i'm riding inside and i'm not you know trying something new on game day um so that part of it's weird to me but like are we really at the point where like now we have well i guess we have indoor specific training and stuff but would like an indoor specific shoe be a thing you'd be that keen on i i i i I use a outdoor specific shoe indoors um it sounds like the only reason to buy an indoor specific shoe is to spend more money on something that you could have bought that would serve a perfect purpose that is suited if, for outdoors. If you're only riding, I don't think the Zwift crowd is the target market for that. I think it's the Peloton spin crowd, maybe. Mm, but if you, you're, you're only right riding now. indoor and you don't have you know, a three fan setup. I've had, I've been on rides where my shoes are just filled with sweat. So I can only assume like improved ventilation is a highlight of indoor specific shoes, right? Yeah. Where you don't, you're not going, you know, 40 KPH through the wind. Um, I think that would be a use case. Again, I don't think it's for us, but I can see why. I I strongly suspect that marketing them as indoor shoes is just to mark up the price a little bit. Maybe that was the problem with red ones. Maybe those were indoor specific, James, and you took them outside and they did not agree with the outdoors. <laughs> Chris Greenland, what are you drinking now? <laughs> uh, I finished my beers um, and my office is just, I've got too many whiskey bottles in my office. So I, I'm drinking, um, found this, I have to do a training on this next week, the Thomas S. Moore. This is the port cask finish. So I'm drinking some of that now. Very good. Um, do we have anything else to talk about, guys? Any other Chris? Brent? I think we've fully exhausted 
our entertainment conversation for the evening. <laughs> I yeah. think so. Um, if you haven't yet heard uh, tonight's cr- uh, conversation, um, I think it's going to be a good one. Um, think about training. Um, think about Golden Cheetah. Um, don't look that up on the internet, by the way. Um, bad things happen. Um, I think it'll be a good one. Um, a really nice chat. So thank you, everyone, for listening to us for. And I hope you listen to the other four, potentially five later on. Um, and Tate and Jewel, we did miss you. But we're very sad you couldn't join us. Good night, everyone. Good night.